0: Well, it might be the off season, Tori Peterson, but there's clearly no off season here on CalgaryFlames.com. We're just getting rolling. This is the second podcast in like three days.
1: I know, it's insane.
0: I don't think we I feel can keep like this we could,
1: we we can. <laughs> Let's just schedule a whole bunch and do a whole bunch all through June.
0: Mid season form clearly. World Championship is over. Cup Finals underway, and we can finally start looking forward to some of these big off season events. Starting with the NHL Scouting Combine this weekend in Buffalo, New York, and. When you know it, that is the subject of today's episode. Ryan Dietrich alongside the aforementioned social media guru, Tori Peterson, joined by our special guest today, the Flames Head Strength and Conditioning Coach, Ryan Van Aston, here to break it all down on the Firestarter Podcast, brought to you by The Star Calgary, the official media partner of Firestarter. The Star Calgary is your essential source for local, national, and international news. Follow the story all day, every day on com. Ryan, thank you for joining us. We were just talking about how this is pretty much the most comfortable episode we've ever done. We've got little wing chairs. So we we, all, we always bring out the best for our top guests. Thanks again for your Thanks time. Thanks for having me. Um, this is obviously a, a fun week, uh, probably an event, the Scouting Combine, that's that's big on your schedule as we look forward to getting to know some of these draft prospects that are going to be eligible for uh, uh, selection next month at Vancouver. But I guess first off, uh, what does the Scouting Combine mean for you uh, in terms of what you take away from the event and how important is it when you look ahead to some of these potential future Flames and what they may be able to bring in their first uh, camps and seasons with the hockey team?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the the Scouting Combine is really important for myself and... Uh, my assistant Alan Selby um, just in terms of getting to know some of the potential draft picks that uh, are available for us at that particular time um, in terms of where they are physically um, not just body size or type or anything like that but how do they move um, their performances and, sp- and certain uh, specific tests and uh, you know just give some guidelines and maybe some feedback to our scouts and general managers before the draft. So it's, uh, it's very important for us.
1: Is there any sort of testing there that has more importance than others for you guys in terms of how do you weight each test and how do you evaluate each test with each player?
2: You know, it's a, it's an interesting question and there are a few specific tests that I prefer to focus on other than others. Um, Those being the, mostly the power tests in terms of, so they do vertical jumping on bilateral force plates, Um, they do horizontal jumping, like a long jump, for example. There is an agility test and then a uh, windgate test, 30 seconds all out power. The reason we tend to focus on those tests in particular are that that type of quality, physical quality of power and explosiveness is probably the hardest to train and it might have the biggest genetic component whereas something like um, the bench press or pull-ups is quite easily trainable. So if you have a guy that um, doesn't necessarily jump very high doesn't have have that much natural power it's quite a bit more difficult to to gain that than it would be something like absolute strength in in a bench press for example. Uh, Another thing we look at is what the athlete looks like how big are they um, their body types so there's usually three different types of body types so are they really lean and slender are they very athletic looking um, those types of things so I'm looking for athletes that are athletic looking um, have the ability to, to to grow in terms of their size and muscle mass um, and then thirdly how do they move so like in an agility test for example like how organized are they when they're actually doing the test in terms of their coordination and things like that so that gives us a general idea of their athleticism
0: how has this event evolved over we were just talking about beforehand how really in the last five years this event's taken off it's kind of a spectacle now where a couple years ago this was just happening in a hotel ballroom in Toronto, and now it's happening at the Key Bank Centre, the Harbour Centre in Buffalo, there's you know, interview periods going on, the fitness test is now essentially a two-day thing because they want to split up the bike test, so mm-hmm. uh, do you think that's been beneficial to what you've been able to take out of this? It's definitely uh,
2: much more beneficial than it used to be in the past. I think the testing protocol has evolved in a, in a positive way. Um, the people running the testing now—it's it, just a more standardized protocol. I think the technology that we're using, for example, bilateral force plates for power, rather than just you know jumping up to a a, a vertec and hitting the thing. So we're getting much more information. So we can see, like on the on the force plates, we could see not only their power, but we could see their differences between their right and left legs. So we're getting a lot more information these days, and I think it's just the way it's going with technology. Um, you know, and the, and the, way they set it up, so we're basically lined up in the front of all the tests. We could see everything going on. It's, it's in a line, it's all in order. So if we have a particular guy that we are watching, we can just watch them all the way down the line. Um, it's just way more streamlined. It's a lot easier to, to see the guys and see what's going on that way.
1: This is an event has all 31 teams there, obviously. 32, I would guess. Seattle might have a presence there heading into their inaugural season in a couple of years. But for this, having all those teams there, is this an opportunity for you to meet with your peers and discuss advances in technology like you spoke of and kind of get a lay of the land as to what's going on across the league?
2: Yeah, so that's a big part of the combine for us as strength conditioning coaches is we actually hold uh, on the Friday our um, strength conditioning association. We have a meeting with all the strength coaches and we go through a number of different things including you know reviewing the the combine protocol so every year we want to make sure we're doing the right things we want to make sure that we're improving we talk to the companies that are running the specific tests Um, you know a company comes in with their software for the force plates we want to make sure we're what we're measuring is appropriate for us to give uh, good feedback to the general managers and and the scouts on terms of that um, who know, potential guys that are going to be in our organization so we do spend a lot of time um, doing that that's probably our first meeting of the year with all the strength coaches and um, we just get the lay of the land what everyone's doing and how everyone you know what's going on in terms of uh, the strength conditioning world we bounce ideas off each other and it's uh, it's a good learning environment for us.
0: You might be able to hear it in the background but they're setting up for the share concert which is is going to be a doozy. I can't wait, personally. but uh, <laughs> So we apologize if you hear the rumbling. It's going to be quite the show here, the Saddle Dome. Uh, we're recording on a Tuesday, but I think you're going to be listening to this uh, on Thursday, rolling into Friday at the start of the Combine. Uh, uh, Ryan, again, just kind of going back a little bit to some of the testing. Over the years, has anything surprised you? Have you ever gone there with ex- certain expectations and left with maybe a different, I don't know, bit of knowledge that maybe you didn't see coming?
2: Would you mean like in terms of a specific athlete or just in, in general? I think so,
0: in general, because there's so many... Especially when we go into a weekend like this where there's top guys and people think they know everything about them. Do you learn something that maybe you didn't know, good
2: or bad? Yeah, I mean, we always learn certain things about specific players and from different tests and things like that. Um, I don't think I... The reality is, is most of the athletes that are on my list of, to watch... I don't know anything about, Mm. I, there, some of them are from Europe, some of them are junior kids, and you know, during our season, we don't have a lot of time to pay attention to exactly what some of these guys are doing, we don't know necessarily where we're drafting, or where these kids are going to end up, Um, so for me, it's like I I go in with a clean slate, um, and just try to be as open as possible, and as objective as possible, in terms of what's going on with those specific athletes um you know obviously like you're watching if if a guy like Connor mcdavid's going through you you kind of pay you know you know you're probably not going to get him but you pay close attention to him just because it's quite interesting um to see what he's doing and and how the guys that you're looking at are going to compare to him for example um so I, I wouldn't necessarily say that anything's like really jumped out i mean o- only for the reason because I really had no preconceived idea of what any of these athletes are supposed to look like. Right.
1: When you're heading into the first round, there's a general consensus, top-round talent that people know about, and most teams have a good book on most of these guys, at least in the top 30 to 40. When you get to rounds 5, 6, and 7, do these fitness tests mean a little bit more, given that you may not have that much information on a player, or you may have question marks on a player?
2: I would think so, but... Though the players that are drafted in those rounds probably aren't even at the Combine. I forget the exact number of athletes that are there. It's like 100,
0: and 110 in that range right now. So
2: maybe. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, we'll go later rounds then, just to, as a, yeah, a general, I mean, sp- past the let's, third round. Let's be
2: honest. I mean, the, the fitness and, and performance aspect of, of being a hockey player is huge um, these days. And, you know, if you have... Two guys of equal talent, but there's one guy that clearly demonstrates that he's superior in terms of different performance qualities or has demonstrated the ability to have a higher ceiling, for example, in certain areas. I mean, a lot of that certainly will go into play in terms of you know his value to, it, to an organization.
0: Just switching gears a little bit, Ryan, we're about only a a month or so into it, but what does a typical off-season look like for you, and do you have a chance to keep up with some of the players over the course of the summertime?
2: Yeah, I mean, so part of my responsibilities with the Flames is that I have to be in constant contact with the players that aren't um, training in Calgary, which is probably the majority of them, to be honest. So most of the guys will um, go home to wherever they're from, Toronto or wherever it may be in the in the states and so our, my respons one of my responsibilities is to be in contact with them and their strength conditioning coach and make sure we're all on the same page in terms of what we want to accomplish in the off season it's one of the unfortunate limitations of the collective bargaining agreement is that you can't necessarily tell or f- you know make players stay in calgary for the summer but that being said we do have a, a lot of guys that do stay here currently Um, We just started training last week, and we have about 10 guys. So that's a mix of some guys that actually play on the Flames and then some prospect guys from the American Hockey League and and maybe Junior. Um, And that's just going to grow. So we anticipate by mid-June we'll have about 20 guys training here for the summer, which is great. And, you know, a typical day is uh, we early on in the summer we're in the gym basically five days a week. Um, and you know, like right now it's our first phase. So the, the workouts are about an hour to an hour and a half long. They're quote unquote light at this point in time. We're just getting the guys back into training and then starting not next week, but the week after is when we really start cracking down in terms of, um, you know, tissue remodeling and, and really intense quote unquote intense training for the guys. Um, so, At that point, training's usually around two hours long. So we spend about half of that outside on a field just working on movement qualities. And I think that's probably the most important part for us is making sure that these guys are good athletes and not just good hockey players. And I think it really translates. So we spend a lot of time working on how they move, um, their coordination, their their organization of their body. Um, And then half of that will be you know, we're in the gym working on power and strength and and things like that. And then in June we start on ice training as well. So we do that a couple times a week in June, and then it progresses throughout the summer.
0: Has it really just sort of kick back into gear? Like, is there a re- there's must be somewhat of a recovery or you know stay away from the gym gym time after the hockey season ends? Right.
2: So we usually recommend the guys take at least a week okay. and a bit off completely, just to decompress and. You know, not think about hockey for a while. Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, unless you win the Stanley Cup, it's, you know, guys are maybe a little bit frustrated or not happy with how the season's gone. So a little bit of decompression there. And then the next couple of weeks, um, I think the key is to not necessarily do anything overly structured. So we don't need them in the gym a week later after the season doing xyz in terms of a program what we do need them to be doing is um, doing unstructured activities on their own so not necessarily lifting weights if they want to lift weights no problem we'll help them with that Um, but things like you know going on bike rides hiking tennis things like that just to be active for a couple more weeks and then we'll start to get back into traditional type training
1: you came here from the la kings a few years ago how has your role evolved since arriving in calgary
2: yeah, so when I started with the LA Kings there was no I would I shouldn't say no, but the the emphasis on let's say sports science side of things wasn't as much as it is now. So back then we did strength conditioning. We did our usual daily routines, similar things to what we do here. It's just now with Calgary um We're doing all kinds of things, technologies that have evolved in the last, say, eight, nine years. So we're doing like on-ice workload monitoring. So with that system, we can see differences between right right and left leg power, right and left leg asymmetries on the ice during practice. We have, you know, force play technology. We're monitoring the guys throughout the year, seeing how their performance levels change with game schedules. We can... You know, monitor their asymmetries off the ice as well. The nutrition aspect is huge. It's evolving. I mean, as you guys know, we see it all the time. It's evolving, you know, feels like by the week. Um, So things have certainly changed quite a bit. We've hired here a full-time assistant strength conditioning coach. Um, And I, I, I just the workload is just becoming more and more and more in terms of the technologies that are coming in and all those kind of things. And, you know, as an organization and, and as a strength conditioning program here, we want to keep evolving because um, we want to be on the top. We want to win. So we, we need to keep evolving that. We need to be stay current. And, you know, if it was just me, it's really difficult to do that alone. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's changed significantly. And I would say more so on the side of the... Of the uh, s- sports science sport technology side of things,
0: and you almost have to right like yeah, the f- you have the, to the, the athlete nowadays we look at at least from our perspective the difference between the elite and maybe the not so elite that's that's a narrow gap nowadays isn't it you, ha-
2: you have to monitor it and it's a you know even for practices for example, you know the way we used to do it was well the, the, the coach would prescribe a practice. You know, the coach might ask you, okay, what do you think we should do for the week? And, you know, this day should be light, this day should be heavy, for example, or this day should be longer, this day should be shorter. And the reality is, is, you know, we're just going off of feel. And we really had no objective way to measure it other than, you know, you could use heart rate monitors and things like that, but it's not the same as the type of technologies that we're using now. Uh, And so now we can actually, we know what a hard practice looks like. We've been tracking it for for two years now. We know what a light practice looks like. We know the drills that might f- fulfill the, that criteria, and we can actually structure practices um, and periodize them appropriately throughout the season based on the schedule and what we want to accomplish. And it, it, I think if you're not doing that, you're just you're just guessing really, and you know you're just basing everything off your intuition, which is important because that's kind of what dr- guides things in the beginning anyways um so i do think it, it, it's extremely important if you're not doing something like that you're you're missing out for sure
0: good stuff ryan thank you so much for joining us today and you know uh, flames tv is going to be making uh, our debut at the combine this weekend too so we look forward to catching up with we'll you again on saturday yeah, thanks um, for having me yeah thanks a lot uh, this has been the fire starter podcast brought to you by the star calgary follow the story all day every day on the star.com